Hello everyone, welcome to the Life of CJ podcast. My name is Chujuke and I am your host. Um, firstly, I want to appreciate everyone who listened um, to the last podcast and have sent in questions and comments. I really appreciate you guys. You guys are the real MVP and I mean, you're the reason why I'm doing the next one and the next one and the next one. Thank you so much. Okay, um, one of the very funny questions that I got last was the fact that I did not mention how the labor pains were. And that's from an expectant friend of mine. And <laughs> that's, I don't know, um, I'll just clear that before I go into the next um, episode that I'll be recording, which um, I promise to share. And that is my experience in the neonatal um, intensive care unit, which is um, NICU. So NICU stands for neonatal intensive care unit, but I'll be saying a lot of NICU, 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 you know. So just so you know what that means. Okay, firstly, <laughs> labor pains, man. I do not know how to, I do not know how to um, explain it for us to understand what, I don't know how to put it in context I don't know how to explain it basically, but I just know that it's one pain that I cannot explain. Firstly, I'm not trying to scare anyone. It's something that happens just a few hours and after that you forget it. like you forget it immediately your child is in your arms. Okay, for me, um, it's no more news that I didn't know I was in labor. I didn't know I was contracting all day. I was going about my business till evening when I got to the hospital and... In fact, the moment they told me it was labor, you know how it works psychologically. The pains that I was feeling before, you know, I was able to hold before became unbearable. I know that one of the funny things I did was I first of all removed my wig and flung it. Like, <laughs> thank God for, <laughs> thank God for the kind nurses that were around. I kept my things in place for Josh to come and pack. I know I flung my wig. Like, I didn't care where it was. I didn't care about anything in the world. I really didn't. I just knew that. As in, but, well, let me not go into further details. I just know that it was one pain that, as it kept on increasing, you know, as you keep dilating, the pains keep coming. The contractions um, become more, you know, in readiness for the baby to come. But the moment the baby just came out, you know, the moment they, like, push, push, and then you push and the baby comes out, I do not know how it is for a cesarean section, but um, I'm I'm also I'm also thinking that I won't be wrong when I when I say that the moment the baby comes out and you hold the baby in your arms, yes I know I'm trying to go through the whole um, post post um, cesarean session pains is different. I don't know how to explain that. I I cannot um, talk about it because it's not my experience. I hope um, I will be able to get someone to do that for us but my own experience um um vaginal birth is once the baby comes out i felt this very great relief like i did i literally like i literally had a deep breath and you know and immediately i heard the baby's cry i forgot the pain i really do not know how to explain it to your dates because um the baby brings a lot of joy so uh my experience in my journey in nico so um, my baby uh, was checked and everything was okay. Everything had grown perfectly. In fact, she was ready. 
um, let me just say that that's why my mom called her Ikiminyabasi, which means like the appointed time of God. So she she was basically ready in the womb, just probably waiting um, for the right time, which I think God just felt that was the right time. 34 weeks was the right time for her because everything was perfect. Her kidney, her lungs... I don't know how they check all those things, but when they checked, they, I think one of the things that I know that they looked out for was the strength of her cry. Um, because that was like, I heard the doctor say, it was like the, asked about the strength of her cry and they were like, very good. So she cried really well. She cried really loud. And I know that they used that to also check something else. I don't know. They checked everything and she was good. But um, they checked her weight as well and she was wearing... Um, weighing it 2.55 kg and that was like the benchmark in fact the doctor told me that if she had weighed less um that's when they would have taken her and all that 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 i don't know but that was just like um a perfect weight for a preemie at the time um but it was just one more concern the fact that i had carried her for 17 hours you know with my um, water broken so I was exposed to infection as well as she was, so both of us needed to be monitored. And as a baby born before the 37th week, she was also supposed to be monitored for some days. And that's where Nico comes in. So Nico is a place where I have to keep babies who have some, you know, monitoring to be done. Or when you born, or basically when you have a preterm. Um, baby is supposed to be kept in Nico to be monitored for some time. So, um, um, okay, so I'll just maybe go straight into the point. Um, so we spent about five days in Nico. And I'll just recount my experiences daily. Um, so, uh, Ebon was taken away from me at about 1 a.m. of um, February 13th to... She was admitted in Nico. So we I really did not see her that day. And I really didn't even have myself. I was supposed to rest, you know, get get back my strength a bit before I was taken to the postnatal ward. So this is Thursday. I wake up. Everyone is dotting around me, trying to make sure I'm fine. And I'm like, okay, where's my baby? Can I see her at least? They're like, okay, she's in Nico, this, that, 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 and trying to explain and all that why um I can't be I can't be there because it's just for babies. And I'm like, okay, no problems. So can I see her? And they were just like, rest, rest, you need to rest. And for for a second, this people got me there. I, I, I had to call one of the doctors. I said, I'm like, see, if anything has happened to my baby, you should just let me know. It's okay, um, you know, and it's like ah, why are you being like this? <laughs> like, you guys are just, everybody's just doing rest, stress, stress. And I will call Josh and he'll he'll all be smiling. I'm like, what is wrong with these people? For some reason, I, I, I nobody told me about Nico before before now. I just used to know that, oh, there's Nico, but I really didn't even know that. Because nobody told me, basically, that it would be far from you. It wouldn't be in the same space, which I really didn't have the details. So it was strange to be separated. I, I felt I thought that babies were supposed to be with their mothers. I mean, first early hours of, of their birth. So it was quite strange to me that my baby would kept far from me. So I, I kept on asking until they explained. The doctor explained to me and I was like, okay, that's fine. So 
I was calm till in the evening I went to see her. Uh, I I remember asking what she was eating since um, nobody had called me to tell me to come and breastfeed her and all. And they told me that, oh, they got it sorted. So I went in the evening. I was able to see her. And, you know, it was quite, she was quite very small. <laughs> I know that I had held her in the first um, hour of her birth, you know, the whole skin-to-skin -skin thing. But I really didn't even wrap my head around her size or anything at the time because I was just happy to have seen her come out, you know, behold. I was happy to just see her then. You know, I was also, I had also just pushed a whole human out of my body. So that was all that really mattered at the time. But this was the very first time I was really going to look at her, analyze everything, her hair, her full, beautiful hair, her, her eyes, everything. I was just seeing her for the first time in all her glory. And she was so small. Okay. Um, Day two, which was Friday. Okay, so this is like... Um, day two Friday. I'm like, okay, guys, what are we going to do? Nobody has called me to come and breastfeed my baby yet. And I remember the woman just told me, oh, come, come um, early in the morning to join in beating your baby, you know, so that you'd have, I'll beat your baby, but you just have a, you know, have a feeling of motherhood, you know, dress her up and all. So I come Friday morning, do that, take her back and... Okay, so now, they said, well, you're going to have to wait for 48 hours before you can try to see if she would um, latch properly. That's basically going to be one of the skills to breastfeeding. So we are waiting. I was very anxious, you know. So when, when they came and like Ochogu baby and I ran upstairs, so at Nikuin um, here, the they address the baby by their surnames by the parents surnames not by their giving names because uh most parents have not even yet given a name yet you know so every every baby in Iku is called by their surname so my baby in Iku was baby Ochogu and you know on that that evening they called me and the very first miracle was when I held her immediately she she was held you know in a position for breastfeeding and I presented my breast to her my god you guys she was latching she was just she was just making noise the whole like the whole of the place and everyone was like wow that's beautiful and some mothers were like oh my god I envy you I wish my baby could do that and I really recognized that her doing that was not um I thought it was just normal. It was not a normal thing. It was something that many mothers there were looking forward to um, their babies doing. So my baby doing it was quite, um, it was quite a miracle to me that I didn't have to wait extra days or I didn't have to, you know, do other alternatives. But now there became this problem of my baby was latching, but my I could not produce milk for her. Wow, that was the first frustrating moment. I'm looking at her struggling and struggling and there was no milk coming out. So I I the nurses tell me, do this, do that, I'm doing it and nothing is working. Press it, oh my gosh, nothing is coming. It's just coming like in very tiny bits. They were like, Madam, you need to go and find a way to make milk come out because your baby is latching but you're not having milk and you really need that. Gosh. So I go down. And you all know that my tears is very close to my eyes, right? 
<laughs> okay, so uh, this happened. No, this happened on a Thursday night. That that Thursday evening. So they were like, "Oh, try and enlarged and uh, sorry and no." I always get these events mixed up, but I know that we're supposed to wait for 48 hours and by Friday morning, yes, Friday morning after beating her, this was, this was, this was it. This was when the whole thing happened. Like, go and look for, go and look for a way to make your breast milk come out. Gosh, I begin to do all that there is to be done. I'm asking questions, what do I do? Everyone has an opinion. Trust me, when you just give birth, everyone has an opinion. But I really think that you should just have an ally like a nurse or a pediatrician to always tell you what to do medically because everyone will have an opinion of what they did, what they did for their babies, what they did for themselves, what they did in 1988, what they did in 1908 and all that. And it's worked for them. But I really do not, as there was just so many opinions, but I just knew that one of the opinions that I had from a nurse was I should go and take pap, what we you know, pap. So I, I go, we, someone gets us pap, Mr. Alfred gets us pap, we get um, hot water, take the whole thing, use hot water to, you know, massage and all that. And I'm frustrated because I, I felt it was going to be a drink and it just starts pumping out. No. So I drank and I was expecting immediate miracle and nothing happened. I, I became frustrated. I was crying. <laughs> I remember um, Mrs. Falano, Mrs. Sean Falano, coming to the hospital that 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 day to see me, and she's like, "Nito, you just rest, rest. Everything will be fine. You just th- thank God that you're healthy. Your baby is healthy, and this is not a problem, really. Just sleep and wake up, and you'll be fine." And I thought she was just telling me one of those evangelical sermons of "It is well with you, my sister" kind of thing. And somehow I was like, yeah, I really need to rest if I sleep. You know, after she, after she, I think she was even still there. I just resolved in my heart that I've done everything but prayed and slept. So I prayed in my heart and I slept. I had ordered for Kunaya, which was not coming yet because uh, my friends who were supposed to bring it were not coming yet. So I just took hot tea. God bless Gladys. Like Gladys was by my hospital bed. I have amazing friends who showed up <laughs> i mean from friends who cried when um they had the news of the birth baby had come and friends who were supportive i mean friends like john c friends like um Saibawura, friends like gladys who was who immediately she heard she suspended everything she had to do thursday friday saturday to be by my side i mean friends like veno all these beautiful people that god blessed me with and my friend Sandra, who was not even in Abuja, she was in Lagos, but she did all that she could do to make sure that I was also happy. She even, I mean, I remember she even sent me a link to other food, and I noticed that most of the restaurants had beans, and everyone would have expected that I would jump on beans, but for the first time, man, I really did not even want to eat. So God just blessed me with amazing, supportive people. My in-laws were amazing. My Everyone, everyone who came around, even those that could not come around, calling and some knew not to call me. Some knew to call my husband to pass the message, you know, that they wanted to pass across to me. But in all, overall, I could feel the love and that really kept me. So I sleep and I wake up and there is... Okay, yes, so before then we had already 
told called my sister-in-law to let her know that this is it this is it so she's like okay there's this thing um gunu tamia or something something like that so she brings that stuff and i drink it and people you remember i had taken pap earlier she brought this one again i drank it they said it helps with breast milk so by the time i stepped and woke up literally my clothes was wet the place that i had laid that part of the bed was wet i was gushing milk people the way i ran upstairs to nicole's gun tell them please give my baby i want to breastfeed <laughs> it was quite funny but i thank god that i i was able to pass through that phase so by the time she was able to feed that day i was like okay now she's feeding you guys told me that when she's able to feed we'll go now she's feeding what next what else and they told me oh you need to do this you need to do that we need to run this test we need to run that test and trust me all these things i'm telling them like a story now but it was really draining it was really draining sitting down there and not knowing what the test result was going to be it was really draining sitting down there and i watched about um two mothers come into my ward and leave with their babies it was really draining sitting down there and seeing other women with their babies in other war in other um, wards and you were just sitting down there without your baby you know without knowing what the next test result was without knowing what the next um, thing the doctor would say when he calls you it was really draining so but one thing was quite sure thank god for a supportive husband like josh and i cannot tell the story completely without mentioning that he he really helped me. He really stood by my side. I mean, he really did not go back home. For the for the five days that we were out there, from Wednesday night that we went to the hospital till Thursday, sorry, till Sunday that we were, you know, discharged, he didn't go back home to sleep for one night. I would tell him, oh, go back and sleep. I'll be fine. He's like, no, what if they need me? What if they need somebody to help you with something? And he was still out there with the big mosquitoes. <laughs> on the corridor and he couldn't you know sleep because we didn't get a private word and we got a room for three three mothers and so he couldn't come into the room to sleep with me he would be out there and dealing with all those mosquitoes and all and it was i don't know one of those things that kept me basically was seeing his strength so when i see his strength i'll be like okay i need to also be strong for him he turned all those nights into kabashing, praying through the night. And it was quite funny that he's um, praying through the night. He would meet other fathers who were also waiting for their babies, you know. He met very beautiful people who um, he still keeps in touch with. He became a strength to them. And I don't know if maybe God kept us there for such a time as that because he really encouraged some people. And most times when I see them gisting, when I come out of the ward and see him just with these people and encouraging them, I'm like, I don't know if this guy forgets that we also have a baby in Nico and we also need all this love and attention and encouragement. But he was also strong for me and for them. And I just really thank God for the kind of husband that he had given to me. And, you know, for this kind of situation, he was just the perfect person to be by my side. <laughs> I will never forget one time, um, Okay, I told you guys that I needed um, pap to, for my breast milk to flow. So everyone that was coming, almost everyone that was coming at the time was now bringing us um, pap so that I'll be able to take. And then there was this man that Josh had met whose wife um, had an operation 
complications, pregnancy, fibroid and all that. And they just didn't want to tell family, so it was just her husband and herself struggling. And the husband had met just one of those nights, probably thought he was a pastor and, you know, told him everything. And then just was all trying to be helpful and comes in one night and says, babe, we have enough pap. Takes it, cuts it into half. I'm like, okay, look at you. <laughs> I mean, we're still trying to take for for breast milk and you are here trying to be of help to the next person and it was quite encouraging you know i could see that he was he was out to not just make sure that we were fine but every other person that he came in contact with you know had a positive um remark but that's not that <laughs> i'm going to I'm, i think i'm going to have to dedicate a particular podcast to that experience and he will be the best person to share that but Overall, he was he was amazing. So on this day too, we're here now. Um, breast milk is flowing well. Everything is flowing well. They are still insisting that we cannot be discharged. Day three, this is now um, Friday. Yeah, yeah, Friday. Sorry, Saturday. Um, we're we're here on Saturday and everything looks good. And I'm like, I was quite hopeful that since Ebo had eating and oh she's taking enough breast milk you know would be will be discharged on or before evening so i kept on being hopeful any challenge any particular name they come and call i'll be keep i'll be listening very attentive to hear if my baby's name will be called but it was not called out the i'm talking about this thing and i'm just realizing that saturday was day three but saturday looked like i had spent three weeks there because it was draining. It was emotionally draining, physically draining, everything. But somehow, I remember even going there and if the nurses delay, okay, so this particular Saturday in the morning, I, I was there and a, a ball had where she, where she was, her bed was. So I could see her from the very small um, um, transparent glass on the door. And then if they open the door, I always see where they bring her from. So on this particular day, I asked of her and the woman goes in and she didn't come out. And she's attending to another person. And so they keep opening the door. And I saw where Ebo was supposed to be. I saw oxygen. I saw many um, wires passing through, aiding the baby to do some other things. I freak out. I call Josh. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Please come. And then he rushes upstairs to come and see me. And... I'm looking at them like, what's happening to my baby? Nobody's talking to me and all. And then the woman comes out and she's surprised like, ah, why is your husband here? And I'm like, I don't know. I've asked my baby since. Apparently, she even forgot that I was waiting for my baby. She thought I came to return my baby and I was just waiting by the corridor, you know, because most mothers, they just drop their babies and they're not ready to just let go like that. They just wait in the corridor and just hang around, just feel the presence of the baby and then go back. And she's like, wow, I'm sorry, I forgot. And she went in to bring the baby off, and that was not where Ebo was. Apparently, they've moved Ebo's bed from that place to another place. But that moment, those few minutes of seeing all that wire, I was really traumatized. Like, what is, what is it? What is it? It was quite an experience that I do not wish for my enemy, seriously. And besides, I don't even have an enemy. <laughs> but it was quite an experience, I mean. Um... I remember when I when I, I would I would dress her and give her back to them after I breastfeed her. 
and they will give her back when I when I go again to take her, she'll be naked, wrapped in her in blankets. I'll be wondering where her clothes, what happened? Until one of those um times I went to drop her and I asked the nurse, thank God for that very friendly nurse. I asked the nurse, she's elderly by the way. I'm like, Ma, I don't know why my I don't know where my baby's clothes are. I, I dressed her up this morning, but she's not on them by this evening. The woman said, Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um we just didn't want to um, disturb you because we knew you were going to pay. So um, she had we noticed a bit of jaundice and we needed to treat it fast so that I don't keep you here longer. So I just put her under the lights and she's going to be under the lights until the jaundice is, you know, cleared very well. Such that by the time the culture test and all that they are waiting for comes, um, jaundice will not keep us again. And it was quite thoughtful of her and I appreciated her. I thank God for people like her. Who God also placed strategically to be of help to us. But there was this very, um, say this is Saturday. I'm talking about Saturday and it's like very simple, but Saturday was a, was quite a stretch because, you know, I was hopeful to be discharged on Saturday, but um, it didn't happen. So on Sunday morning, I go to the clinic and I go to Nico and I'm looking and I tell this um, young nurse who was now on duty, um, please, can I have the biotrobe? I want to breastfeed her. And she just looks at me and says something that was not clear and walks past me. And people, what I heard was, um, your baby's eyes spinning her. Hey, God. It was the most dramatic experience upstairs there that day. So I go, I, I call Josh immediately. You know, he's my, he's my, he's my fight. He's my war. He's my Indaboski. So I call my Indaboski. That please come, 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 come. I don't know what this must be saying. And he comes and I'm panicking. I'm like, she said the boss. And Josh is like, how can the baby's eye be paining her? Does the nurse know how to how the baby's eye would be paining her? How? Are you sure of what you're saying? And I was very sure. And then Josh, he he, you know, he he has this way of talking. So he, most of the doctors, most of the pediatricians and the nurses already knew him. He has this smooth way of talking and all and <laughs> so it, He's there and the nurse, he calls the senior nurse. And she's like, ah, ah, who said that? Why? Why would they say that to your wife? And she sends for the young nurse. And the young nurse just comes and like, ah, ah, she didn't say that to me. Or that she was saying that her own eyes. I'm like, ah, what's my business with your own eyes? Um, did I come to Nico to see you? I came to see my baby. Please, your own eyes I was painting you was now my problem. Was that an excuse not to bring the baby and all? And then, but we got that sorted. And at that point, that was when one of the pediatricians had overheard all bo our arguments and all. And just told me, see, madam, I don't know why you're bothered. Like, your baby is one of the healthiest babies here and hopefully she'll be discharged soon. So you should really stop panicking and just be calm, be positive. And I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> and I just resolved in my heart that I'm not putting any timelines. Of course, they explained that she was there based on um, trying to be more cautious than anything such that when we go, we go. We don't go and come back for a particular little thing that should have been avoided. So this is us. I was just grateful to God that they were quite thoughtful and I asked for patience. I asked for grace to continue to stay. And so I just resolved in my heart that whenever it was, we would, you know, take our healthy baby and go back home. And... I think it was just the peace I made in my heart, the peace that God had given to us from the very beginning that just overwhelmed me. And I went back to sleep that Sunday afternoon when um, they called us, baby Ochogo. And I went upstairs thinking that 
something else maybe they just wanted to give me an instruction or maybe they wanted me to breastfeed my baby she was crying and then we got there and they're like can't call your husband so 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 when they said i can't call your husband first of all my heart skipped I was like, okay, the doctor told me earlier in the morning today that she's healthy, she's fine. So I called my husband and then we just heard the best news ever, like, okay, go and clear all the medical bills outstanding. We're going to discharge your baby and then they write the receipts for the things that um, had, they, had been, they had done in NICO that we were not told about, that needed to be paid for, bed space, this one, that one, that one, that one. And then we just went downstairs, cleared it and came up and gave it to them and they cleared a ball for discharge and of course following your natal checks but one of the things i'm grateful to god for was the grace to go through that experience and i know that um every time god lets something happen, he always puts another thing in place to guide us and i thank god for grace that we're able to give this as a beautiful story now and i know that everyone that is listening all expectant mothers i noticed that my last um episode was shared across um expectant mothers mainly but i just want to know i just want you to know that god will always creates um the right atmosphere for you when you go to give birth if you hold on to him continue to pray it's not easy praying when you're pregnant so that's one thing that i know i'm going to i'm going to have to talk about in my one of my one of my episodes being spiritual during pregnancy, I don't know. I've I've asked other pregnant um other mothers that were spiritual before pregnancy, and I noticed that it's something that you know it's reoccurring. Most mothers just you just lose the words to pray, in, but I know that God will always raise people to intercede for you, and I know that um everything will turn out fine. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions about pregnancy, about how I've been able to do it. Well, by the grace of God and by the help of a very supportive husband, I would be happy to answer them and to hear them. Um, till I come your way again, remember to keep the faith. Thank you so much for listening.